spend two Sundays on every year. I'll get that in just a minute. Yeah, yeah, just enjoy these pictures. Um, 1993. So we're in 1993. So that means this will be the year Joe is born. This will be, uh, this will be the year that uh, the Wagners joined the church. So take a look at some of this. Here we go. There's Mo. Look at Mo. Oh, Mo, man. And here's Mo in 1993. Here he is. Looking like he's looking pretty cute, isn't he? Man, he's going bald, isn't he? He's losing it, man. There's Joe. Oh, Joe, hang tight. Joe, baby Buddha. There you are, Joe. There he is, born right into the church. There's, what are you going so fast for? Slow down. <laughs> There's Joe. Now, you already saw the next one. There's Mo and Joe. Now, Mo and Joe um, were, were, were very close when they were young, but they did get in their, their, their fights, you know, and uh, still doing that a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. And so life moves on quickly. Here is an announcement in the church. Look at this. This is cool because this is our history. If you would like to be a part of the first bus route in the church, that's amazing. Here is an announcement that we made 25 years ago, 24 years ago. If you would like to be a part of a bus route, now we still run buses, not as many as we did. There was a time we ran 15 buses a Sunday and had 600 kids come. And you might be thinking, well, why aren't you doing that now? Because you're not working in the bus ministry. <laughs> anyway, okay, and uh, no, honestly, we're not doing it partly for the reason of it's hard to get people to work these days in that ministry because it requires so much time. But nevertheless, that is understandable. Culture's changed. Lots has changed. We are going to hang on to this bus ministry, though. We're going to keep running these buses. Even if it's five or six, we're going to run them and bring in 150 to 200 kids. And here's what the change is. Instead of bringing in 600 and corralling them and trying to keep the chaos at a minimal we're going to reach 150 to 200 and turn out some preachers and some missionaries and reach moms and dads. So you see, it's the same ministry, just a tweak in the philosophy, and everything works out. So it's exciting. So then, um, <clears throat> there's the first boss, Cliff Kaufman. Cliff, are you here? Is Cliff here? Hey, oh, Cliff. Oh, Cliff cut a check. I, Cliff, how much was that one? Was it 1500 I said 1000 this morning, but I think it might have been 1500 And oh, Cliff bought that bus... In Murfreesboro, Arkansas. That's why if you can see between the lights, you can't see it too well, but it says the word Murfreesboro because we used to call the buses by the, the city we bought them in. So that was bus Murfreesboro. First bus we ever bought, Cliff, Cliff cut that check for us. There is the shootout. Listen, in year two, it was 1993 that I was in the bank robbery with Mo. And we had a Filipino missionary's daughter with us setting up an account for her. And all of a sudden, this guy comes in. Nine shots in the bank. Craziness broke out. It was phenomenal. I took a little clip, and I want you to see. This is hilarious. Capisi. Look at it. Capisi, along with his 18-month-old son and a visiting friend from California, said they were the only customers in the bank when the robber was inside. We knew something was up, Capisi said. He just stood there for about 10 minutes. Capisi believed bank employees were stalling while the police could respond. Thank goodness he didn't get upset, Capisi said. He would have blown us all away. Boy, I was immature, wasn't I? Anyway, that's a great little article. It's funny. And that was 1993. There's Jamie and Rick. Of course, Rick is in heaven. Rick was the deacon here. Jamie knew I was going to show this picture, and she said, Preacher, what a blessing it was to have Rick here and with us and raising our kids. And God's been good to give Jamie another wonderful man of God. And yet, we will not forget this family that joined in 1993. Wow. There's my grandmother. She got saved here. Raised all of her life, believing that works would get her to heaven. 
And she was a hard nut to crack. I mean, she was hanging on to Rome. Catholic Church isn't the problem. I mean, church is a church, right? I mean, people believe in Jesus and preach Jesus. But when you preach Jesus plus works, it becomes a problem. And so my grandmother was lost. And we led her to Christ at the Crown Trace Villa. And she started coming here before she died. Pretty good story. That was 93. And there we are. That's the second family picture. So I still got hair. No comments. All right, guys. If you need a worship guide, thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. If you need a worship guide, raise your hand. We're going to get you on. Anybody in the balcony on the main floor, just raise your hand, and we'll get you a worship guide. Now, keep them up till they get you one. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you, I learned something in this morning's sermon. I'm going to confess that I could not confess this morning. Okay? You like confession? Is confession good for the soul? All right, here it is. Confession. I did not finish the sermon. <laughs> so I know I'm not going to finish it now. I, I was, I've been so excited about this because God has, God has filled me up this week. I mean, I have honestly, my mind and soul have exploded as the truth of God begins to unfold in, in my heart. You know, you never stop learning. Never. You never reach a place where you can say, I got this. When you say that, take heed lest you fall. Take heed lest you become prideful and boastful and actually preach false doctrine. And so scripture is an amazing thing. And it begins to become more clear to us as we open it up and study it. So I want to, I want to talk to you this morning about using God's provision wisely. But we're going to do it by looking at an amazing, mind-boggling parable in scripture. Look at it with me in Luke 16. Before we go there, I want to make notice of something as we read it. I'll kind of paraphrase some of what I say from the King James. But if you have an ESV, you'll notice that there are words used for for the word uh, steward. I believe you'll see the word manager. Maybe for the word uh, lord. You might see the word master. Maybe for the word um, debtor. You might see the word farmer. So we're going to use words interchangeably just a little bit. And I want to give you a heads up on that because there's so much here. And I feel like sometimes more modern words help us to understand the same exact word in Scripture. And it's just exciting. So whatever version you have is great. Let's just dive in. Listen to this story. And he said, verse 1, also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man. There's the owner, the master. He had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. He called him, the master called him, and said, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, Oh, what shall I do? For my Lord has taken away my job, my stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I'm ashamed. Hmm. I am resolved. I know what I'll do. That when I'm put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he calls every one of his Lord's debtors unto him. And he says to the first, how much do, 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 do you owe the Lord? How much, do you, how much do you owe the master? And the first one says, well, a uh, hundred measures of oil. And he says, okay, take the bill and just, just write 50. He says to the other one, how much do you owe? He says, a hundred measures of wheat. He says, okay, just, just, just take it, write 80, four score. And the Lord commended 
the unjust steward. Uh-uh. It didn't say that. Let's not preach this because that don't make sense. The Lord commends the unjust steward. Because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. That, that when ye fail, when you die... They may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your, your, your trust the true riches? And if ye have been faithful to that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one, love the other, else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot serve God and mammon. This, my friends, is an incredible scripture. Now, let's touch base on just a couple of things before we get into the application of the text, because that's what we're going to be doing this morning, is applying the text, the truth of God, to our biblical stewardship lives. And so, this parable that Jesus told, by now, you may agree with me that it is mind-boggling. This is incredible. It's one of those parables that are very difficult to understand, very difficult to comprehend. Maybe the most difficult in all of the New Testament. As I read it, maybe you read it with me and you were saying, like I was saying, what? 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 I mean, just like, that, did it really say that? Is that what it said? And because the message sometimes is difficult to understand, oftentimes we find churches, preachers avoiding it, neglecting the truth. I've been around long enough to know that there have been times when I've brought up Scripture, when young people have brought up Scripture and and pastors, because they really don't want to talk about it, want to avoid it, say, Bless God, we've always believed it, just shut up. I ask questions. Problem is, we're not ready to give an answer because we've avoided truth. We've neglected truth, so we lose our kids. They go find somebody that'll talk to them about the truth. Big picture here. The big picture is that God wants us to be wise. If you have another version, it might say shrewd. I like that word. God wants us to be wise or shrewd in our financial dealings. It's a big picture message here. Difficult to understand, though. From this parable, it seems as if it's difficult to understand. And here's why. Because how can Jesus commend a dishonest manager? How can Jesus brag on someone who sinned? It seems as if Jesus is saying here, Oh, you blew it. You sinned. You made a mistake. Well done. Boy, I can see some people running with this one. Hey, God brags on sin. See there? This old boy blew it. And God said, great, way way to go. So I blow it and I just keep blowing it because God's okay with it. You know, we have not understood the passage. You see, this really helped me. 
if you think about it, read it closely, he is called an unjust steward because whatever he did while he was employed, he was dishonest. As an employee, as a manager, he did something and that's not what he's being commended for, for what he was dishonest about. He is commended for what he did after he lost his job. Now, the reason why I begin to understand this and my mind opens up is because that's how Jesus is. Jesus will forgive us. Yes, we make mistakes and there is judgment. There is consequences. But isn't it amazing that after we make the mistake and get things right, that God can use us, that God forgives us. Isn't that what salvation is? We're born into sin. But when we are born again, look at all that God gives us, that which we don't deserve. We become a child of God. And when he sees us, he can brag on us. I should have got a whole lot more amens right there. Because that, my friend, is good stuff. You see, it makes sense to me that Jesus bragged on him after he made the mistake because of what he did after he was fired from his job. So who are the main characters here? Well, first of all, we see an owner. You know, the owner is is called the master, maybe the Lord. It just depends on what what, what you're using here. But the, the master, the Lord, the owner. In fact, in our lives, this morning in church on a Sunday, let's let's just say this is Jesus, man. This is Jesus. He's given us everything, everything we have, everything we have. There's nothing we have for which the master Jesus has not given us. Yes and amen to that. And then there's another character in the story. It's the manager. He's called the steward. This is us. You and I who have been given things, resources, people, jobs, Who's given us those things? The master, the Lord, the owner of the universe. Then there is the farmer or or the debtor. There is this employee of the employee of the employer. There is this person who is working in the fields. The owner was so wealthy, he couldn't do it all. Here's to it, Kathy. He starts a little old chicken shop in Atlanta, Georgia. And at first he's able to manage that store all by himself. But the chicken is so cotton picking good that other stores start popping up everywhere. And Mr. Kathy says, I can't do it all. I got to get me some managers. Are you with me? It's making sense. And so he seems to begin to give responsibility to the manager. Different job sites, different To be textually sound, fields, if you will, pastures. It appears the owner says to the manager that I I need this much from every acre of land. It appears that Mr. Kathy says I need this much for every chicken sandwich. Whatever you make on top of that, you keep it. Whatever you profit on top of what I'm asking for is yours. Are you with me so far? Now, let's look at verse 8. Because this is when it gets incredible. So the Lord says, or rather the Lord commended the unjust steward. He brags on this man because he had 
done wisely. Wisely. What a word. Wisely. Some versions say because he done shrewdly. He was a shrewd person. And he, he's bragged on because of this. So let's take a time out and let's, let's define the word shrewd. What does it mean? Well, it means to be astute, to be sharp, to be keen, to be rigorous in practical matters. Well, that's an intense word, isn't it? It's kind of intense when you just say it. Shrewd. It doesn't sound, it's like the opposite of love, you know? Really, sort of. You know, love, love, shrewd. You know, shrewd rhymes with rude. Right? Shrewd, acute, keen, rigorous in practical matters. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 and verse 16, I want you to be wise as serpents and I want you to be harmless as doves. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. I saw that. I began to meditate on that verse. You ever meditate on that verse? That's not a fun verse to meditate because Jesus says, be a serpent. (laughs) Be a serpent. Be a serpent. Wise as a serpent. Harmless as a dove. I like like doves. (laughs) I'm kind of lovey-dovey. You know? I'm just one of these guys, man. I just, you know, uh, you, you know, I, I tend, I tend to, uh, to, to be more like this, you know, even about the, 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 the tithe. You know, uh, uh, I, I preach on the tithe, you know, but I hadn't been too good at it because I don't want anybody to be upset. You know, well, if you don't tithe, it's okay. I understand, you know, you got other bills. Okay, it's okay. Lovey-dovey. And yet God says that's not, that's not true. But then you got these guys that, bless God, if you don't tithe, there's a back door. You're robbing God. You ought to be in jail. You got to split hell wide open. Man, I think what Jesus is saying is have a little of both. Be shrewd. But be loving. Be rigorous, but be tender. That's hard for me. That's been hard for me. This is the challenge. This is what Jesus is teaching us. He is saying, why is it that the majority of my children are strong on love, but weak on shrewdness? Look at the verse. It says in verse number eight, again, let's read the whole verse this time. The Lord commends the unjust steward because he had, he had done shrewdly, wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser, shrewder than the children of light. That is not a compliment. It's not a compliment. You ever heard this? So heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. It's true. God doesn't want us to be so heavenly minded. We're no earthly good. So we've got to find this balance. And Jesus teaches us here something about shrewdness. Look at verse number 9. This is flat out shocking. Like, wow. I mean, I keep, I keep coming across, are you kidding me, verses in this passage. And I say unto you, Jesus says, I say to you, get this now, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. Whoa, dude. James Are you serious? Jesus says, I want you to make friends with unrighteousness. Unrighteous wealth, unrighteous people. Make friends with them. I'm like, ooh. 
I, you know, I, 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 I'm finding myself wanting to think there must be something contradicting itself here. But what is the text about? Stewardship. So Jesus says, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of, un- of unrighteousness, that when you fail, when you die, they may receive you into heavenly habitations. Unrighteous wealth here, speaking of things that just won't make any difference in heaven. Let me ask you a question. How did you come into this world? Hmm? With nothing. But go ahead. I mean, it's church. We're all friends here. You came in how? Naked. Some of you guys are, oh, PG-13. <laughs> you came in naked. How are you leaving? Naked. I didn't say butt naked. I said naked. <laughs> oh, I just said it. Sorry. And uh, <laughs> well, you came in that way too. You came in naked. You're leaving naked. But what happens in between? Thank God we get clothes. <laughs> and we get houses. Hallelujah. And we get food. And we get some things, don't we? How many drove to, car, to church in a car? Yeah. Yeah, we get cars and, and we get things and we get amenities and we get gifts and we get vacations and all of these things. Now, wait a minute. Jesus says, you ain't taking none of that with you. So what do you do with it? You make friends with it. You make friends with, with unrighteous wealth. Well, what good is it? Why do you have it? Well, what good is all this stuff? To make friends. So that when you die, those people you made friends with because you were a good steward of what I gave you, they will receive you into heavenly habitations. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed You gave, you used what you had while you were on earth to make friends with me. You reached me. I was a bus kid who had nothing and you gave to me. And so I'm in heaven. Thank you. I want to receive you into heavenly habitations. I was in Cambodia and poor and with nothing, but you gave to a missionary with your resources and, and you could have done something else. You could have bought the new car, but you kept the used car. You could have built the bigger house, but you kept the house you had. I know all this now that I'm in heaven. Oh, I was poor down on earth. I was dirt poor. I was homeless. I had nothing. But you see, you gave to that church. You gave your tithe. You gave your offering. And one day, I went to celebrate recovery. And some dude named Ray Black and a bunch of people led worship. And I got saved. I know you don't know this, but I found out when I got to heaven. Let me receive you into heavenly habitations. I'm your friend. Scripture is teaching that here. How incredible is this? This changes everything about what I have between naked and naked. I don't have to feel guilty anymore about what God's given me. I just need to make sure that every now and then I take my car and put somebody in it and bring him to church. God says, I gave you a car. Have you ever put anybody in the back seat and just brought him to church? God says... Hey, that big house you've got, 
I've just been noticing you got an empty bedroom there. You hadn't changed the sheets in 10 years. Why hasn't everybody, why hasn't a missionary ever slept in your bed, in your guest bedroom? Well, I just, you know, it's just, oh, okay, I got it. <laughs> you can't take it with you. You might as well use it while you got it. Because you're not taking the bed with you. Are you with me? Oh, this is amazing. This is phenomenal. It's incredible. Open your heart to the poor so that when you get to heaven, there's going to be rich people that used to be poor that meet you and greet you in the heavenly habitations. Now, there's five principles we can learn here. These principles are incredible. They're so phenomenal. You see, you might still see smoke coming from my ears. And let me tell you what that is. I don't smoke. I don't smoke pot. I don't smoke cigarettes. But what it is, is it's just like my brain is just like blown. I mean, it's like dynamite. Because you see, I'm 51 years old and I'm learning from Scripture. His mercies are new every morning. God has something for us this morning. It's not about sitting here saying, I knew that. It's about what is God saying to you? How is he teaching you? How is he teaching me? What can we learn? Principle number one, we can learn this. Value what you have. Don't waste it. Value what you have. Don't waste it. Look at our text again. Matthew, or rather Luke 16. Look at verse 1. He said unto his disciples, the owner did. There was a certain rich man, or Jesus said, there was a certain rich man, an owner. And this owner had a steward. Now pay attention here. Very important, very important. Right here, very important. And the steward was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. Okay, so here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the owner in his office. And I'm seeing someone knocking on the office door and saying, Mr. Kathy, do you have a minute? Well, sure. What, what can I do for you? I just got to let you know. You got a manager. And he's ripping you off. He's robbing you blind. It's bad. He's, he's wasting time. He spends his time... In the office playing Donkey Kong on his iPhone 7. He's a waster, man. You're paying this guy. And, and, and he's getting way more than he deserves. He, it's, it's a mess. He was accused by someone. So he calls him, verse 2. And he says unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account... Of your stewardship. For thou mayest be no longer. An employee. Of my business. I mean the old Donald Trump apprentice thing right. You're. Fired. Here's the door. But it seems he's given a little grace here. Given a couple of weeks to get his junk straightened out. Give an account. Fix it all. You, you can finish up. You, you, you close your accounts. Close your open accounts. Make an account of your stewardship. You're no longer working for me. He's out the door. He didn't value what he had. Do you hear me? He didn't value what he had. 
I want to say something right here. If you have a job, work hard. Can I throw that in right here? If you have a job, yeah, but I, you know, I, I just work at McDonald's. I know. He that is faithful in little will, will be faithful in much. He that is unfaithful, are you with me? Yeah, you're going to have a job at McDonald's maybe 10 years from now too. Maybe. After you're fired three or four times and keep going to different McDonald's, you're never getting out of that place until you work hard there. If you have a job, work hard. Give it all you've got. Listen, we should be thankful for our jobs. We should see them as privileged opportunities. We should make sure that we are giving an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. We should be understand that we need to value what we have. Don't waste what we have. He wasted it. He wasted it. He wasted time. He sat around the coffee way too much. He constantly was on his iPhone or, or whatever that other one is. Android, texting, getting on the internet, playing fantasy football. Just wasted his time. Can I tell you something that is a principle all throughout Scripture? All you need to get where you're going is to utilize what you already have. That's all through Scripture. Use what you have. Use what you have. Jesus said to the 5,000 that, that needed to be fed, remember, he said, what do we got? They said, well, we don't have, well, we got like a lunch. It's like two fish, two, you know, and five loaves of bread. He goes, perfect, that's all I need. Give it to me. He feeds 5,000. You'll see this all through Scripture that God says, what do you have? Use it wisely and I'll give you. Anybody know the answer to that one? Ken, what, what, what's the answer? Use what you have wisely and I'll give you more. That's the principle. What you have right now is God's provision for you to get what he has for you next. This guy was dishonest. He was dishonest. But what he did after he got humbled is why he is commended. Principle number two. Are you ready? Plan for the future. Don't rationalize it. Plan for the future. This is this now. This is this is Financial Peace University. It's having a plan. This is why we have a preview class Wednesday. This is why we're all sitting here saying, should I go? Should I attend? Should I pray about this? I need a plan. I need something. Plan for the future. Don't rationalize it. Look at verse 7 of our text. Or verse 4, I'm sorry. For I am resolved what to do. You know what that means? That means, hmm, here's my plan. I got a plan. I've been fired. I'm in a mess. What am I going to do? I'm resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. That goes kind of back to the verse. I've got a plan. I, I, when I'm put out of the stewardship, I, I, I want to be received. by. So I'm going I'm to make some right decisions. So he calls every one of his Lord's debtors unto him. Wow. That's tough. That's not easy. 
he takes this two-week window, if you will, this window where he's giving account, he's closing his books, he's finishing up his last final two weeks, and he says, I'm going to call every single one of the Lord's debtors that I've been dealing with. He says to the first, how much owest thou unto my Lord? He calls everyone. He didn't have a cell phone, did he? So he went to him and he said, hey, hey, uh, hey, Stephen, come here. Hey, hey, yeah, Steve, yeah, come here, Steve, uh, illustrate. Steve is the, he, he owes, he's got a Chick-fil-A and he owes two of Kathy's his boss and I'm kind of go-between, I'm the in-between guy, you know, I'm the guy that's, here's what he did. He calls his debtor, and, or the Lord's debtor, and he says, uh, hey, man, how you doing? Good to see you, Steve. How's your family? Uh, great. Good wife. Going, doing yeah. well? Yeah. Any kids yet? No. No, not yet. Okay, good. So everything going well, though. Yeah. You look good. Thank you. You look good. Hey, I got um, to talk to you about something. Uh, this is kind of tough. I, uh, I haven't been honest with you. I, uh, listen, I, I've been fired. I lost my job. And um, it's unfortunate, but I've, I've been stealing from the company. I've been wasting money, wasting time. I haven't been a good steward of what he's given me. In fact, some of the money that, that you've given me, I haven't actually placed it all in the appropriate places. And so I've, I've been fired. But I want you to know that I want to I get things right. So what I'm going to do is the, the portion I would normally take, I'm not going to take it. I, I just want you to have it. And it's going to kind of make up for some of the some of the mess I've, I've caused and it's hard for me to do this but I'm I needed to get this off my chest and I just want to get this right so if you could just you don't have to pay what you owe just pay this much and uh, I want to say again I'm sorry and I won't be coming back anymore I'm, I'm done but uh, I do I do appreciate your business thanks man now he probably didn't get a hug but Steve loves me and he knows this is a sermon illustration <laughs> thanks Steve that's tough isn't it that's tough and he did that over and over and over again. You see, preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this. What this guy did was incredible. He was commended by Jesus in the Bible for it. Why? Because the first step forward in every area of your life is humility. In every area. You want to save your marriage? Humble yourself. One of the hardest things I deal with in counseling is watching two people who are right. About everything. Whose fault is it? Boom. You want to save your marriage? You want to make your marriage last? Humble yourself. You want to get victory over sexual sins? Humble yourself. Become accountable to a brother in Christ. You say, but he won't think I'm perfect. We already know that. You know I'm not perfect. I remember years ago when I made some unwise decisions as a pastor. I remember I went way too fast in the ministry and put us in a bad place. Yeah, that's right. You know what I wanted to do? See you guys. Whew. On to the next church. <laughs> oh, sure, you, you're tempted. You're tempted to just get out of Dodge, man. 
Or you can stand in front of your con- congregation like I did a dozen times and say, I'm sorry, I apologize, I've made some decisions. I, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm staying, we're going to dig out of this thing, and we, and we have. It's been amazing. That's what brought on a lot of changes in our church and elders. And that's why we're experiencing victory now and why God's blessing in so many ways. But I can tell you, it was humbling. It was humbling. But that's the first step. That's the first step. Every one of us needs to understand that wherever we are at in our lives, in our stewardship, it may just take, it may just mean we need to humble ourselves before we really see God work. Humility. Three rationalizations that keep us from planning. Three rationalizations that keep us from taking this step forward in humility. Number one, I'm better than that. No, I'm better than that. I deserve more than that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to drive a used car. I'm not, no, no, no. I'm not going to live in that house. I'm not going to do that. I, I'm better than that. I'm not going to embarrass myself. I'm not going to humble myself. My last name is this. I can dig out of this hole myself. I'm better than that. I don't think we'll see you Wednesday night. I doubt you'll be at the preview session. Number two, I have to have that. See the dot, dot, dot? Let me act it out. I have to have that now. (laughs) The dot, dot, dot is (laughs) now. I can't wait. I got to have it. Give me some plastic. Got to have it. We won't see you Wednesday night either. I need more, but I can't earn more. Why not? Can you get a second job? <gasps> well, I'll have to miss television shows. Can you get a third job? A third, yeah. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. You see, we rationalize ourselves out of The solution, which is humbling ourselves and putting our hand to the plow, being shrewd, being wise, delaying gratification. Wow. It wasn't easy. But Jesus said, wow. Why in the world are the children of unrighteousness wiser, shrewder than the children of light? Therefore, God brings in the third principle for which I'm going to give you and then continue next Sunday. And that is this. Operate shrewdly. Heaven rewards it. How do we do this? How do we operate shrewdly? I know this is a different kind of sermon series. And I know that all of us want to hear the Romans Road. Or maybe you want to hear a conventional sermon or one that you've heard 50,000 times. But I want you to know God wants us to have victory. God's giving us something fresh in Scripture. God's burning in our hearts a desire to want to submit ourselves to, to, to the Master. Maybe you've never done that. 
Maybe the problem is really in all of this, in all of this, is there's never been a time where you've fallen at the master's feet and given him your heart so he can work in your life. You see, God is sanctifying me. I'm sorry, church. I'm, I'm, I may not have lived half my life yet. You say, what do you mean? I just found out when I went to New Orleans, my aunt is 105 years old. 105. If I live to be 105, I still got ha- over half my life to live. Guess what? God's not done with me yet. God's got a plan for me. God wants to take me into, into victories and blessings and, and, and things that I, I probably have no... As long as I will be a good steward. And so somehow I've got to balance shrewdness. God says... Too much dove, get some serpent. There's something maybe saying, too much serpent, get some dove. But I know this, he wants us to have both. So let's be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Let's operate shrewdly because heaven rewards it. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed,